Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. When I started realizing who I was, yes, this is me, but also a lot has changed and shifted in myself, in the way I see life, in the way I see myself, which is why I think I've opened up that, you know, I've opened up this whole new side of me that my husband saw that he fell in love with. And also something in my head shifted that I saw him as who he was, a person I would never have been attracted to had I met him two years prior, two years before. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. again. I'm glad you have joined me today in this episode about the making of a woman. You have probably heard me say on the podcast multiple times that our childhood experiences shape us into the person we become. Our past makes us who we are in the present and is constantly interfacing with the present to impact our future. We are not just the reflection of our past experiences, but the response to them. Did we overcome our past or are we repeating our past in our negative patterns? Are we constantly looping back to the same outcomes? As someone once said, we repeat what we don't repair. When I work with any client, I always look back into their childhood to understand who they are today. When I work with any disease, I look at what was happening in my client's life just before the symptoms of that disease started to make their appearance. If my client is challenged in love, finances, career, or relationships, I dig into their past for the references and influences that set the stage for the negative experiences they attracted in that area of life. If my client is cheating on their partner or their partner is cheating on them, there's often a parent that did the same. If my client was raised by a single mom and her father was either not present or not offering any financial or emotional support, then my client grows up to be an independent woman who wants a soulmate, but subconsciously doesn't trust men and thus fears commitment. If the childhood was dysfunctional, then the marriage in the present is dysfunctional too. We marry men that are like our fathers. We end up being women like our mothers. 
As men, we marry our mothers and we end up treating them like our father did. It's hard to escape the patterns of our past unless we become aware of them and intentionally choose to avoid them. But when we are under stress, even our best laid intentions fail and we revert to our past programming. The easiest way out of the maze of our past is really to go through some form of therapy or healing. Other times we face terminal illness, medical challenges, or even major trauma. And this might drive us to correct the negative patterns in our life. Fear is a huge motivator. But I'm a firm believer in not having to go through the ring of fire. There's always a path of least resistance, one that we can choose to embark upon. A shortcut that takes us to our destination in an easier, smoother, and more direct way. Healing was that path for me. As I went through my own journey of healing from my past patterns, I discovered the joy of helping others do the same. I walked away from my corporate career to do this because it was so inspiring to see people climb out of their own personal purgatory to finally see the light. Which brings me to today's episode. I have invited Kara Erigel, TV and events host, fellow podcaster, host of After 30 with Kara Erigel and content creator. We speak with her today about her personal story, how her childhood, her past experiences made her the person that she is today. Welcome to the podcast, Kara. Hi, Sanaya and everybody listening to Project Loving Myself podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be here in your show today. And what a beautiful intro. You hit me on all areas. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so my intention was to kind of open it up, you know, get us warmed up for this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I guess uh, we did more than that. <laughs> I think we we brought up a lot of things to talk about. So this is great. You know, this is perfect. We are all uh, ready to dive into what makes Kara Erigel the person she is today. Why does that sound okay. so scary, Sanaya? <laughs> you know, it, it's always like that, right? Mm-hmm. Looking at yourself and your life from that perspective is never, you know, the easiest thing because you're going to look at your regrets, your past mistakes, as you you say on your own podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I want to start. Um, I read that you had a major aha moment when you turned 30 and you realize that your past mistakes and weaknesses helped you to become who you really are and what you're meant to do. And for me, Kara, when I read that, um, as I was doing a little bit of research on on you, um, I realized this must be the inspiration for your podcast after 30 with Kara Erigel. Like you must have come to a point where you realized, wait a minute, you know, everything that I've been through makes me who I am today. And therefore it can't be wrong. It can't be bad. It's every everything that went into, you know, all that blood, sweat and tears mm-hmm. is, is who I am today. You know, the glorious Kara. So am I right? You know, is that kind of where we're coming from? Yes, you are definitely right. That's the background. That's the reason why I started my podcast was because I was so afraid of turning 30. I had just turned 30 and, you know, all the pressures that you hear from, you know, 
societal pressures, even from my own family and the pressures I put upon myself at this age. And I had just quit my job then, a job that I thought I would be doing. I was a radio DJ for almost like four years at the time. I had just met my boyfriend at the time and I was the relationship was kind of getting serious. And I, I started sitting down with myself and questioning my decisions. Like, Why would you leave your job? You just turned 30. Really, you need something stable. You know, so many things shifted in me and I was so angry at myself for the decisions that I had made. I was even questioning the relationship I was in. I started living in with my boyfriend at the time. And, you know, some people were questioning the situation that I was in and even the relationship that I was in. So there was just too much going on in my head. And I was starting to get really hard on myself at that age. And I thought, shouldn't this be the age that you're already sort of like, you know, stable and sure. And you have clear set plans of where your life is going. And then, you know, I was like, I need to talk about this <laughs> because I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who feels this way. The world doesn't revolve around me. I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel the same way, who have the same fears, who share the same experiences. And I want them also to realize that they're not alone. And that it's okay to keep talking about it. And it's fine to still keep going through these things at this certain age because that's just the way life is. And it actually makes you more unique and stronger and builds character. And it creates a whole new different story for you. I totally agree with you, Kara, because I find that in my own life, when I'm talking about my stories, when I'm sharing them with either clients or students or on the podcast, it's very therapeutic. I feel like I'm releasing and I'm actually processing and also understanding my own motivations mm -hmm. or where this is all coming from. And so it feels like, um, it feels like the podcast became that forum for you to try to understand what you were going through and to deal with it. So you kind of are sharing it with other people, but you're also maybe therapizing yourself, yes. figuring it out, you know, counseling, coaching your own self. And in the bargain, you get to do that for everyone else who's listening, which I think is just such a beautiful thing. Oh, thank you. That was, uh, yeah. And, and the title of my first episode is how do we do this? Because I was just like, you know what? Let's just jump into it. Cause I've always been so afraid, but looking back at my life, the pattern has always been, I'll do this. And then, you know, I think I'll do okay at it. And then I'll jump at the next thing. It's just, I keep looking for the next challenge. And so when I questioned myself, why would you quit at 30? And why would you start, you know, a podcast at 30? That's just the way my life has been. It's a pattern. Hopefully now I don't jump because I'm already married. <laughs> you know, that's a bad joke. <laughs> but, no, but I think at 30, you know, I kind of like realized, okay, this is the pattern of my, you know, this is me. This is probably a result of, you know, my childhood and everything else that's happened to me. But now it doesn't have to be something I keep running away from. It can be something right. that I can nurture and use Hopefully, so that the people who do listen, if there are people who listen, can get something from it as well. And I'm sure they get a lot from it, Kara. You know, I, I can imagine so many people are probably writing into you and sharing how they're going through the same experiences. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious now, 30 for you seemed like the big number. Like that seemed like, okay, it's after 30 and before 30. Mm -hmm. um, for other people, it might be, you know, before this event in my life and after that event in my life. Or for others, it might be 40. For some people, it's, you know, the, the time from college, the transition from college to working. So we all have that 
kind of one moment in our life that seems to define, uh, seems to kind of close the past and and open up a new future for us. Why was 30 that moment or that big thing for you? Oh, I think it was mostly just everything else that was happening in my life. I think yung, uh, the age of mid-20s to 30s is usually what we assume to be the marrying age and the age where you're supposed to have children. And that's a big, you know, supposedly a huge turning point in a woman's life, at least. And, you know, I wasn't married at the time. And, you know, I I had just quit my job, like I said. So for me, 30 was a big deal because I hadn't reached the assumed or the expected um, stature in life that a woman at that age has reached as it's supposed to reach already. So 30 was a big age for me, mainly because of that. And also because I uh, I was already hearing a lot of, oh, when are you going to have a baby? And a lot of my friends were already having babies and getting married and all that. And I was, I was still pretty focused at my career at the time. And it was my late 20s to until I reached 30, where I, before I met, actually, I turned 30 two months in the relationship with my my husband now i turned 30 then so before that i was already pretty you know i booked i booked a trip to bali alone i booked the trip to shargao alone um to find myself i was pretty set i was like you know what when i turn 30 and if i don't meet that man i think i'm fine i was financially stable i was seeing you know i was seeing a therapist pretty regularly i was kind of in the process of you know figuring myself out and accepting who i was who i am and then I met my boyfriend. <laughs> and then, you know, a lot of other things shifted in, in the way that I saw myself and the way that I saw my future and my life to become at the time. So, yeah, that was why 30 was a big deal for me, I guess. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> no, you did. And it's, it's really interesting to me because when I was in my late 20s, 30 didn't seem like a big deal to me. Like 30 was not a huge number. Uh But as you're speaking, and I'm thinking back to my 30s, I was sort of in the same space as you. I was not married. I think at, at 30 or 29 to 30, somewhere around then is when I met my now husband. Um, I had my first child at 35. You know, I, yeah. So for me, a lot happened at 30 because I I got married. I moved countries. You know, I started a whole new life. I built my new well-being center in, I left the one in Dubai to open the one in Manila. So 30 was actually a huge, I would say, decade of transitions and changes and adopting of responsibility and having children. And it was a, it was a big one for sure. But it's just interesting to me that I never thought of it as, oh, it's after 30. Mm -hmm. For me, it was always like when you get to 40, your life should be figured out. You know, (laughs) at 40, you should be done with all of that. And then you're going to be like, oh, my God, now what? Now what's next? You know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? So for me, 40 was that panic moment. I'm not my 30s. But I think it's just a question of perspective. It's probably that at that point in my life, the the pressures weren't there as much as they were when I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. you know, in my early twenties, there was a lot of pressure to get married and have children and so on. And by the time I reached my late twenties, it was like, okay, she's already like, she's already on the shelf, you know, we, we don't even, you know, forget it. It's like a, a lost cause. And so I actually escaped all that, you know, societal pressures. And I was like, 
all right, now I, I get to do what I want and I don't mm. need to subscribe to anybody else's notions because I'm already over that period where people were actually expecting all these things from me. Um, and surprisingly enough, just as I um, accepted where I was and who I was, everything changed, you know, like you, I met the person who's going to be my husband and I got married and I did all the things that I thought um wasn't going to be, you know, imminent for me at that point in my life. So it's very interesting as I hear it from your perspective. And then I think of my own perspective. And I guess that's what I love about these kind of conversations mm-hmm. is we reflect, we look back and we kind of learn, um, maybe reassess, maybe take something else out of our own experiences, um, which is, which is great about you know, podcasting and having these kinds of intimate conversations with each other. I couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kara, I love the description or maybe you call it the tagline of your podcast. You say how life is so much different and oddly the same. And that's what it was for you after 30. So tell me a little bit about that. (laughs) How was life oddly different yet so much of the same? Um, oddly different because of, again, the societal expectations, you know, when you turn 30 at that age, you're supposed to be mature enough. You're supposed to have this much in the bank. You're supposed to kind of already figure out what you want in your life, but you're 30 and you're sitting there and you're like, but I'm still the same person I was last year, two years ago. What has changed? It's, And then you don't, and then it hits you. It hit me when I was like after 30, which is why also I started the podcast. It was just like at 31, I was, whoa, I'm making these decisions. It's still the same person, but I'm making very different decisions. And I have very different views in life already. And even in my relationship, for example, um, my husband now is far different from the men that I used to date before. And I want to just reiterate what you said a while ago, that as soon as you accepted who you were and, you know, um, your your fears, your differences, your strengths, your weaknesses, that's when you also met your husband. And that's when you jumped in through this season of your life. And the same thing happened for me when I started realizing who I was. Yes, this is me, but also a lot has changed and shifted in myself in the way I see life and the way I see myself, which is why I think I've opened up that You know, I've opened up this whole new side of me that my husband saw that he fell in love with and also something in my head shifted that I saw him as who he was, a person I would never have been attracted to had I met him two years prior, two years before. Um, that's it, I guess. It's still, I have the same pains. I'm still dealing with them right now. All the things that I went through as a child, I still acknowledge them and, you know, go through them. Now that I'm, th- I just turned 34 <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I'm still me, but so much has changed in my heart and in my head. And that's what's so exciting because you keep changing as a person, but you keep so many things of yourself still. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know, I, I am amazed at how many similarities there are between you and me because that was, again, the, the same story that I share, which is my husband was not at all what I thought I would, you know, the kind of person I thought I would end up with. Mm-hmm. Um, he was probably the type of person I was running away from. And yet I found myself, you know, falling hard for this person. We got married um, in five months. We dated for like a month, you know, before he proposed. So it was very quick. But the funny thing is, it was completely different from the type of men I had dated. And I bet you there are people listening in right now being like, oh, the person I'm with right now, whether it's my husband or someone I've been with now for a significant amount of time, was the the different person, was different from every other person I dated. And so what I see is that was the pattern. You know, all those other people we dated, they were the pattern. And the person we're with right now is how we broke the pattern. Okay, we kind of veered away from the loops Mm -hmm. we were in and we kind of, you know, had that breakthrough and found the person that is more true and authentic to who we are because we learned to find that in ourselves. Right. Thank you for putting it that way. That's, that's, that's so wonderful. It's so true. And I, I've said this a lot of times in my podcast as well. I'm grateful for all of my exes, <laughs> all of yeah. those heartbreaks and men who cheated on me. It sounds strange to hear that, to say thank you to them, but really I am thankful because I would never have realized how precious this relationship that I'm in now is, how wonderful it feels to be loved genuinely. Yeah. And I think that all the things that caused us pain, all the situations, all the people that caused us pain helped us to see how valuable what you have right now is with whoever is, you know, the person you've chosen to be with. You know, it takes all that negative sometimes to see how good it could be. Um, But it's not the same for everybody. Not everybody has, unfortunately, that same experience. Some people get stuck Mm -hmm. in that, you know, in the drama of their life or they're stuck in that pattern. They don't know how to get out and it just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. And so my goal today with our conversation is to share through your story and, and some of mine as well, that we can climb out of that. You know, we can make those transformations and those changes and we don't have to be stuck in the same experiences that maybe our parents had or the experiences that we are encountering over and over and over again. And most people feel powerless or helpless against those kind of situations. Like it's happening to them and they can't change it because it's outside of them. It's external. But I think what you've recognized. And this is also why I chose this particular topic for our episode today is I recognized this in you is that you were able to, to break those patterns, to get out of that and to find a different path um, in finding yourself and creating yourself 
you became a different version um, that has brought you, you know, the happiness you talk about or the, you know, the awareness and the understanding um, that, that I hear in your voice, you know, mm-hmm. so that's really what I want to share with other people. Yeah. Now, um, now, Tara, I want to talk a little bit about those relationships. You said <laughs> that there were all those relationships that you're grateful for. Uh-huh. Those people who cheated on you. Uh-huh. Let's talk about that a little bit because you now are in a relationship, you said, that is so different from the ones you dated before. Uh-huh. And you have learned to recognize and value what's beautiful in your relationship today because of everything you went through. So what did you go through? Tell me about these. You know, tell me about that past. Okay. I would always be attracted to emotionally unavailable men. Good looking. (laughs) Um, Very charming. Very charming. Very kind men. Um, But emotionally unavailable. And probably at the time when I was with them, they were also very emotionally immature. Um, I was cheated on countless times. uh, Two people, to be exact. But like 10... 10, 20 times with the first person and the second person, maybe three times. And I see, I mean, like he could have only cheated on me 20 times if I kept taking him back. Right. So it was a pattern. It was just, and it was a joke with my friends to say, Cara, do you have a sign on your forehead that says I'm ready to be cheated on? It's like one relationship or one relationship after the other. And it's just, and I getting into the relationship, I already kind of knew and that's the thing I want to also like, you know, put out there because is it just, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think it's just me because I think when you get into a, that type of relationship with that type of person, I think you already see red flags, you see signs, but then you still push through it because you feel like your love will change this person and that this person will dif- be different with you. And, but that's rarely the case. <laughs> so yeah. I kept going. You know- yes, go ahead. I just want to share about that is that statement you said was very powerful that we or you thought that your love could change the person. And I think that is something a lot of people go into relationships with. They see the red flags. They know, you know, that there's something wrong with the situation at the back of their head. They know. Mm -hmm. You always know. I, I feel like everyone who's ever been cheated on, on some level, they know. Yeah. Okay. And if they let them see it, they see it sooner. Sometimes it goes on for years, but I do think that we do know when something is off, right? Mm. But it's again, that same belief that my love will change that person. Some people say, oh, when we have children, it will change the person. And we always find, you know, what's the next thing that can help us change this person. But of course that person never changes, right? It almost never happens Mm -hmm. um, that the person, you know, miraculously changes who they are and becomes someone else. Um, so I want to dissect that a little bit, Kara. Mm-hmm. You knew that something was going, I mean, you knew he was not faithful. Mm-hmm. You kept taking him back. Why? At that time, why? First thing that comes to mind was ego, I think. Um, ego on the outside that seemed like, oh, pff, he's going to keep coming back to me anyway. <laughs> Saying it out loud right. now sounds so ridiculous, but he. No, but it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense because it's kind of like every time he comes back to you, you're getting validation. Mm-hmm. Oh look, he chooses I'm, me. He came. He chooses me. Mm-hmm. So that must be coming from a place of, I need to feel chosen over and over again, 
right? I need that experience. That's what's feeding me. I need so the, Sanaya. Can you stop making me cry in our episodes? <laughs> no, I don't want to make you cry, Kara. I just want, I want to use your story. Mm-hmm. I, you know, with your permission, of I've course. asked your permission. I want to use your story to kind of break this down. I went through it myself too. So I'm happy to share, you know, my experiences with that. But you know, that that negative event in our life or situation or pattern at the end of the day is feeding something in us, you know? So it's benefiting us. That's why we keep it going, right? Yeah. So if a person cheats on us the first time and we get nothing out of it, like there's absolutely nothing we're getting from that experience, usually we'll walk away. We'll break up with the person and we'll walk away. Mm-hmm. But we keep that situation, that pattern, that person around because we're still getting something from it. And in your case, as you've recognized that I am chosen, he came back to me, boosts my ego, but I wouldn't even say it's the ego, Kara. I would say it's the part of you that needed to feel loved and chosen and and validated over and over and over again, which means somewhere at that time in your life, you weren't feeling really good about yourself or you weren't feeling loved And you needed someone to keep proving that you were good enough. Even though it was a very twisted way of doing that because he cheated on you first before coming back to you, you know, but it was not the cheating that you were craving or attracting. It was the he comes back back to me. He's choosing me. And that makes me feel good. Even though I have to go through the cheating part, you know, over and over over again. So let's roll back to Kara before you go on. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love this thread that we've pulled. Um, Why? Why do you think? And let's kind of look at your childhood. Let's, you know, go back further. Mm -hmm. Where did that start? That need to be constantly chosen. So if you need to be constantly chosen and validated somewhere, you didn't get that either in your childhood or maybe in your teenage years, somewhere that was missing. Talk to me about that. I need a box of tissues. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to start with, and like I mentioned, I had gone through therapy. So I'm going to share like two major events maybe in my childhood that kind of, I guess, contributed to that. The first would be, um, so uh, my Mom and dad were never married. My mom got pregnant in college. They, um, and then after I turned one, my mom, my mom moved to the States and left me with my grandmother. So I was raised okay. by my grandmother. She was alone. Uh, she raised me alone. My grandfather. Okay. This so, time, the time, so, sorry. Kara, yes. Your mother <laughs> didn't choose you. Yes. So that's the first major. Exactly. So she, um, yeah, so she left me with my grandmother, moved to the States. The plan was always to follow, move to the States with my grandmother, but it never happened. So that's the first one. And the even more major one was, or something that really kind of pushed that into me in, in my childhood was, so I met my mother when I was nine years old for the first time ever. Uh, she came back to the Philippines when I was nine years old. And I, had, I called my grandmother Mama at the time because she was technically my mom. And then my mom was already coming home and I started asking, this was like maybe a couple of days or a week before my mom was about to come home, arrive home from the States. And I was having this conversation with my loli, is what I call her now, my grandma, and said, Mama, 
when my real mama comes home, can I call her mama too? Wow. And my grandmother just, I love her very much. And she loved me with all my heart, with all her heart. But she was only loving me the way she knew how. I'm sure she was also, you know, she also had her her own pains. And what came out of her was something that really stuck with me growing up. And she lost it. She got so angry. She started screaming at me, throwing things, pushing me away. And she started saying some very painful things. Like, I'm sure I hurt her. Without me knowing, whatever I said hurt her because she raised me. So she said, why would you, why would you call her mama? I'm your mama. I'm the one who raised you. She left you. Even your papa left you. Everybody left you. I'm the only one who loves you. I'm the only one who loves you this much. Wow. And yeah, so that stuck with me. Growing up, maybe I didn't know it at the time, but maybe that's something that keep that kept going back, you know. And so I would be in relationships and I would always crave for. And then my mama, my mom arrived right when I was nine. She brought my brother with her. So she got married in the States, separated um, and then had a child there. So she came home with the child who she raised. Of course, she didn't raise me, right? So I had always felt I would fake test papers, Sanaya. I would write test papers and and fake it, not perfect. And I would come home and show it to my mom just so she would acknowledge me. Because when wow. she arrived home from the state, she had also just gotten out of a of a relationship with her husband then. So she was heartbroken. She came home because she was heartbroken. Let's be real. She didn't come home for me. That wasn't the initial reason why she came home. So I was always constantly craving for her attention, for her acknowledgement, because she had my brother. She had her heartbreak. She had all those, those other things. And I had always felt like I needed to keep working for her attention. And if I didn't work for it, then I didn't deserve it. You were looking for her to choose you over and over and over and over again. But because she had her hands full, she did not have the emotional bandwidth to make you feel wanted or loved or chosen Mm -hmm. and you know what amazingly and i just want to uh, bring it in here because i love my mother you know i've i've forgiven her and she uh, magically (laughs) you know when i got into this relationship maybe two months into the relationship uh with my husband now my mom out of the blue drunkenly calls me in the afternoon she was at the beach or something and apologized for everything and that how does that feel I can't even explain it until now. Um, But every time I have her on my podcast, we cry because I bring it up and I keep telling her mom, you know, and every time we would fight before, she would be like, when will this ever be over? When will I stop paying for the mistakes that I made? And I'm like, mom, it's the bad. It's like a, it's like a, it's a deep wound that has turned into a scar, but the scar is still there. I don't think it'll ever go away. So I'm sorry if I still feel this way. Every time you you do something that brings up whatever it is that I felt before about you. And this is just something that we need to deal with. But kindly now. Kinder than we used to deal with it before. But let's acknowledge that yeah. it is there. And I don't think it right. will ever go away. And therein lies the pattern, right? <laughs> because the wound has not... I mean, it's a scar. It turned into a scar, but it's still there. and so. That's constantly going to bring you pain 
in the form of all the different patterns that you were um, having to live through in your life. Now, the interesting thing is you said two months into the relationship with your now husband, your mother called and asked for forgiveness. Out of curiosity, Kara, where were you in the relationship with your husband, your now husband at that point? Like, were you already very committed? Were you still the same um, Kara that you were as you were in previous relationships? Like, I want to know what was happening in that relationship before she called. And then what happened after the call, whether that changed something. That's a wonderful question. Huh. Two, maybe two or three months into the relationship, I was still quite unsure. Not unsure. Sorry. I was transitioning (laughs) from, you know, I knew I loved him. I knew I wanted to be with him, but I was still, I was still there in the 30 year old Kara that decided to be alone and I'm independent and I don't need any man to validate me. I was there when I met him. So there was a constant push and pull. And that was what we kept fighting about in the beginning of the relationship. He kept telling me, allow me to love you, Naman. (laughs) Allow me to take care of you. And I didn't understand it at the time because I, okay, I feel like I am. I'm with you, right? But he was feeling the pull that I was still kind of, you know, I'm secure with myself. I don't need you. Do you understand that pull, Kara? Do you understand that you, at that point could not trust anyone to love you completely because the one person who should have loved you completely and couldn't, you know, and I love that line you said, people will only love you in the way they know how. You said it earlier about your grandmother, Mm -hmm. right? And your mother loved you in the way she could, in the way she knew how. Um, It wasn't ideal. Um, You know, we acknowledge that, but Mm -hmm. it was her own journey, her own story. Now, your mother could not love you, could not be there for you, could not commit to you 100%. And so inadvertently, you grew up thinking nobody, if my mother couldn't love me, right, then no one can love me completely. No one can, you know, be there for me. No one can, no one will, will actually honor that promise to love me completely. Mm -hmm. And so that was the fear of letting someone love you because the people who love you hurt you. Even, even your grandmother, right? Even your grandmother who loved you incredibly yeah. in her own way ended up also making you, not making you, but putting you in a position where it was like you didn't have the permission to love your mother because it would be disloyal to your grandmother, right? I mean, she she put in those nine years, right? Yeah. And that was her stuff too. But it's almost like she didn't give you the permission to love your mother because it was a betrayal of the nine years she put into (laughs) raising you. Right. So there's a lot going on, right? There's a lot of these different aspects and layers to to your story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I understand. I understand that, you know, in those first couple of months, uh, even though it was it was camouflaged by your desire to be independent and to not need anyone. Yeah. I believe what was going on underneath the surface was I'm, I'm too afraid to let someone love me because the people who, who say they love me or should love me, they leave me. Mm -hmm. They don't choose me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then, so you're in that space with your, um, 
you know, he was your boyfriend then. So then what happened? After having that convert and funny, he was right beside me when I was having that conversation with my mom and I started crying. And of course, after that, I told him, you know, he was my sounding board at the time and he was kind enough to, you know, listen and, and listen to me cry. And you're right. Uh, maybe something changed with my relationship with my mother, because before I was with my husband, uh, with with Paolo, let's just call him that because husband now, boyfriend, <laughs> before I was yeah. with Paolo, um, I would get into really bad fights with my mom. Horrible fights that would end for like days that we wouldn't talk. But I guess after that relationship, I just started, you know, being like, you know, that like acknowledging mom. Okay. Or like saying, okay, you're guilt tripping me. <laughs> or like, I'm not angry at you. you. What you said hurt me. I'm hurting. Can we please talk later? You know, I started becoming a little bit kinder, I guess, to my mom after because hearing her apologize to me. And taking accountability, I guess, for the things that she did. And she, she, you know, and she acknowledged, she acknowledges what she's done, but she says she did not mean to. She didn't know any better, um, that she loves me. She doesn't know how to still, at the, you know, many, many years, I'm 34. And she's still also figuring out how to love me and my brother. And I, I guess that made her more human to me. Because when I become yeah. a mother myself, it's probably something that I'm also going to be going through. And it's nice to hear it from my own mother, I guess, you know, right? Um, that being acknowledged. And even until um, my engagement <laughs> to my husband, uh, if you don't mind me sharing this experience, I called my mother first and her reaction was not something that I had expected. You know, I saw it in movies. You know, we hear it from 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 other friends. The reaction of their mothers would always be like, "Oh my god, congratulations!" Da, da, da. My mom's reaction was different. She was, "Oh, are you sure?" Okay. Um, and my cousin had just gotten engaged a week before us, and she was like, "She said something like you're. It feels to me like you're stealing her thunder, something like that." Wow. And I was, and I cried. I cried that I my on my engagement night. <laughs> and I saw her the following day and it was just it was it was a different experience for me and it was also I feel like something that had to happen because I had a really deep conversation with my mom after that and I was trying to figure out why do you not like Paolo? You love him. You tell me you do. Is it him? Is it what is it about? And again, it's something she apologized for. And she said, you know, it was her own fears that she was yeah. projecting on me. And because, you know, her relationships didn't work for her. And she was, I guess, afraid for me. And oh, all those things unloaded onto me. And I tell her and I told her, you know, your reaction to my happy moment. I understand whatever it is you were going through, but that was my happy moment. And I had just maybe hoped like at least for 10 minutes, pretend that you're happy for me because it was my happy moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there. So it's still a constant thing. And up until now that my mom's also now a coach um, <laughs> because this is also Amazing. something that she's, you know, like you said, it's you, you in this process, 
of you trying to heal yourself, you kind of also want to be able to heal, uh, help others heal because of your experiences. So, um, we're, when we talk, we heal each other. We try to, but we try. To That's heal. amazing. It is, but you know, That's sometimes amazing. I back mom because I want you to be my mom now, not my coach. But my coach, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I can understand your. I can understand your mother because I mean her story with love must have been also something extremely extremely tra- extremely traumatic for her mm-hmm. you know enough that she came back home you know with a heartbreak and a child um i i can only only begin to fathom what she had to go through and probably when you told her the news it was her fear kicked in, kicking in right mm-hmm. like what if that happens to my daughter? Yeah. And I do believe also we do carry on the baggage of our parents. We carry on the trauma and the drama of what our parents went through. So if your mother went through a lot of heartbreak um, and she was betrayed, then of course you would carry that into your life and you had your experiences with people cheating on you, betraying you and so on. So you were repeating not only your own patterns, but those patterns came from her story as well. Uh, And the hope is to break it, right? That is the dream. Not the hope because you did, you Um, did. And I do, I, I think two things helped you. So let's, Let's kind of highlight that. Mm-hmm. You said you were going through therapy. So when when we were talking about, you know, that boyfriend or those boyfriends who, you know, would cheat on you and you recognize that every time they chose you, you felt good about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. When we talked about your childhood, right away, you like, as I was already pointing out the whole thing about being chosen, you already knew that because you had been through therapy. Mm-hmm. Right. You had already figured out that these were the two things that had impacted and influenced your life so much, Mm -hmm. you know, that you see that connection. And so I see that therapy was something that brought you to that point. And the second thing, which I think is because of the therapy, and this is what I like to tell a lot of people is as we work on our own stuff you know we go through therapy and healing and whatever may be our chosen route we actually not only heal whatever part of ourself that needs healing but we we have that reflect out into our life and whoever hurt us whoever you know grieved us in any way often through no effort of our own comes back to redeem the situation or themselves in our life in some way. In your case, your mother apologized after, I don't know how many years of probably fighting over it and trying to make her see her fault or trying to, you know, um, hash the situation over and over again and probably never got that reaction or that response of her apologizing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you asked for it over and over again in your own way, mm-hmm. but she came one day on her own and apologized and gave you that maybe closure. I want to say it's closure, Kara. I think it was what oh, yeah. you were looking for all your life is for her to take the ownership and accountability for what she did to you. Yeah. And you know what? In that same week, right, babe, remember that. Sorry, my husband just came in the room. Yeah. In that same week, my father called me as well. Wow. And remember that, babe? And Mati, you and Mama and Papa called in the same week. 
and mama was crying. Remember in Mati? I'm in the interview. I'm in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what this for? No, but yeah. So my dad also <laughs> called. My dad called um, just in the same week and then, you know, apologized. That, that, that was so strange to me, really. That's but, the healing. Tara, that was the healing. Crazy. That was all those years. That was all those years or all whatever amount of time you put into therapy. How, how long were you in therapy for before that? Three, three years. On and off. Three years. Three years. Three years. Yeah. Three years of working on yourself. Three years of understanding yourself, your childhood, your past, your emotions, processing all of that led up to that one time period where both your parents came forward to give you perhaps the freedom to now live your life, (laughs) you know, free of all of that, to separate yourself from what happened to you to finally kind of support you in living your own life. And I think that was the big healing. That was the turning point. And I would bet at after that, after that week, probably slowly you started letting Paolo in. Definitely. And I bet you the relationship sped up after that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. We, we, yeah. We lived together maybe a month after that. That was. There you go. That's true. That was yeah. it. So we are prisoners of our past until the point that we set ourselves free. And I think your parents coming forward was that key that opened up your own cage that you were living in, you know, and, and there you were, you finally were letting love into your life because love is, was always associated with so much trauma and pain and hurt. Um, whether it was through experience of your grandmother and your mother. And I want to take a minute to acknowledge that there's no one to blame, right? Yeah. Everybody was going through their own, you know, their own obstacles, hurdles, their own challenges, their own private thing that they had to overcome, you know, and, and you got caught in that crossfire. Though I also do believe that that was what you needed to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. You needed to learn to love yourself, accept yourself. Um, and that was how you allowed your partner to love and love you completely, you know, to be there for you, to care for you. And so that was that was just such a remarkable a journey, I can imagine. Thank you. I think acknowledging that as well. And something that you said in our episode really stuck with me, Zanaya, I swear. I, I wrote it down everywhere. You know, when in doubt, it's me. And, and, you know, I started thinking back about those experiences and it's true because it was me, even in in the the thing I shared with you about the relationship, you know, it was was me. (laughs) (laughs) And also, um, with my parents, maybe, you know, apologizing at the time, it was maybe because I was also kind of transitioning into this new relationship I was in, allowing myself to be loved and treating them differently. I think in that in that in the first month of me being with Paolo at the time, I started, you know, um, calling my dad a little bit more often, trying to create a relationship with him and also my mom being kinder to her um, when we do talk. It was also a lot of understanding their situation and also understanding that I also had a hand in, in, in fixing those relationships, bettering those Absolutely. relationships. It's, it's a two-way street, you know, and... When we're a child, we can kind of put the entire responsibility on our parents. But when we become adults, 
then we actually have a say, you know, Mm. we can take action. We can, you know, we can offer the olive branch. We can work on ourselves and we can heal our relationships and get closer to them in in a different way. Now, another thing I want to draw out is it seems you didn't have a relationship with your father growing up. Is that right? Um, it wasn't, it was an on and off thing. Um, especially during my formative years before my mom uh, got back from the States because my, you know, my grandmother didn't really like him that much. So he would come visit, um, on some birthdays. And then, um, I give credit to my mom with this because when she got back uh, from the States, she started creating a relationship with my father. My father was already married then with my second stepmother. Um, my mom made it a point to co-parent. Um, she made it a point to, you know, um, bring my father back into my life every weekend, every other weekend. I would sleep over at his place. You know, we would see each other on birthdays. My father was, he made sure he was present with his current family. Um, you know, at graduations or, you know, big moments, milestones in my life growing up. He was there. For the he most was. part, he, you know, he wasn't like the regular father-daughter relationship, but my father is very, a very, very sweet man. He's very loving. He is the sweetest man ever. Um, you know, he just made some not so good decisions um, in his adult life, but he is the sweetest, kindest man I know. And when you were saying a while ago, remember when you said in the intro that... You know, we fall in love with our fathers. We, you know, that we look for our fathers in our relationships. And I had blamed him growing up with, you know, the relationships that I had. Um, maybe it was daddy issues because normally it's that, right? We always blame our dads for the relationships we had. But then therapy made me realize it was actually my mom. It was that. It was mommy issues, some daddy issues. But um, maybe the part of it that my dad, for that I got from my dad was his absence his, you know, absence physically, a um, little bit emotionally. But my husband now is the sweetest guy. Very, you know, very mahog, mataj, very showy. And that's how my father is. And my dad... If you married your father. I know. <laughs> you married your husband. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. But you married, you married the version of your father without all that extra baggage and stuff because you cleaned up yours. You see, you went through therapy and got rid of all of that stuff Mm -hmm. that you were carrying because of your childhood and your influence from your parents who were, were not present because genetically you're still carrying their influence. Right. Mm -hmm. And through therapy, you dropped off all of those extra baggage. And so when you met your husband, you got the version of your father at his best. The father that he was meant to be is the husband you have, which is also pretty amazing to recognize. But I also see, Kara, that a lot of um, my clients, a lot of women who don't have their father present in childhood have a hard time in relationships because when you don't have your if you don't have that male energy in your life, you don't learn how to really, truly bond with a man. Yep. Right. That's where you learn that bonding and how to like, you know, how to love the male energy in your life and to receive their love. It's more about the receiving. Yes. And that's why a lot of women who don't have their fathers in their lives and they don't have any other strong male 
figure in their life end up having a lot of issues finding their soulmate or, you know, attracting the wrong kind of men into their relationships, which is something to look at for people who may have had that kind of um, upbringing. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Do you relate to that? Yeah, super, super relate to that because my best friend in college, she, like, uh, do you understand baliktad? <laughs> baliktad no yeah, kami. baliktad. I, I okay, do. Okay, I okay, do. Okay. Like, I, it took a while for me to, to think of the English word for that, but baliktad naman kami. We're the opposite. Okay. Um. So my best friend, she was raised by her father. Um. Okay. And I was eh, growing up from nine to you know adulthood. It was my mom who was present. So she would always have. She called herself a serial monogamist. <laughs> she would always have really serious relationships, loyal, really, and of men who treated her like a princess. And she would just, you know, and after that, on to the next relationship with a man who would treat her like his world. And I was the opposite. I would always be with, you know, cheaters, <laughs> men who were just, yeah. eh. you know. Um, so that was the huge difference. What a great example. I mean, I, I couldn't put it better than how you did. <laughs> You've got two women, one who had her father who raised her and one who never had her father present. And look at the difference in relationships. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's true, though. So really, the presence of our parents and the roles they played in our life has a lot to do with what happens in our life, in our own relationships. And it's amazing to just recognize that, be aware of it, because when you are aware, oh, well, this is what I had and this must be what's, you know, creating these kind of patterns in my life, you can actually do something about it. Mm -hmm. So, Carol, with you, why did you start therapy? What, what was that thought or reason that propelled you to go and seek help? I think it was, um, so I had those relationships with men who cheated on me. Right. And I, what, and then my relationship at the time when I decided to start doing therapy was with a guy who was the complete opposite of my exes who cheated on me, who were emotionally unavailable. He was too, he was a little yeah. bit, you know, and, and he was already rushing me to get married. And he was like, you quit your job. He was like, he was rushing me to quit my job and to get married and whatever. And I was in my mid twenties at the time. I just started uh, my work in radio and I didn't want that. I didn't want any of that. And I was just like, hello. And in my head, it was like, but here's a guy who wants to be with you. Here's a guy. He's, who true. <laughs> He's, He's like true. really putting you. I know what's wrong with you. Why don't you want it? Yeah. Um, so I went, so I started going through therapy to kind of figure out what that was. Is it me? Is there something wrong with me? And um, that's that's the the very really honest reason why I I started going through therapy. And then a lot of things just started unearthing because of that. And yeah, what did why. you figure out from that? Why was it that you could not keep? step with this guy who you know really wanted to be with you i mean your whole life was about being chosen here was a guy who was choosing you completely right <laughs> yeah. like 200 percent, right he's ready like he wants to marry you he wants you to like you know but something in you said this is not working for me either so what did you unearth from that 
I think it was I was also in 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 some sort of transition at the time. Um also because while that relationship was starting, the ex was kind of lurking. And oh, that's a huge part of it that I didn't say, ha. Huh? And I wanted to kind of entertain that again. Yeah. Um yeah. I think maybe because at the time I really wasn't ready yet. I wasn't emotionally ready yet. And if I had gotten married, oh my God, you know, I wasn't. And I think that was calling for that season of my life was really calling for therapy, really calling for me to fix whatever it is that needed to be fixed first, deal with whatever needed to be dealt with first. Otherwise, I would have jumped into the relationship just because I needed to be chosen. And that's the wrong reason. You know, I love that because... You had the fortitude, you had the, the awareness, you know, to work on yourself, to get help, to work through whatever was going on in your life before you committed, before you jumped into a relationship. Like a lot of people do come to me and they're like, oh, you know, I want my soulmate. I want to be with that person. I want to attract that person in my life. And I'm like, wait, 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 you know, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. If you attract someone into your life right now, given everything that's going on in your life and your past and your childhood, which is all unresolved, all you're going to get is the same thing, the same pattern, Mm -hmm. right? It's not going to fix anything. It's not going to like fill any voids. It's not going to make your life better. Though everyone thinks when I find that person, when I find my one person, it's like magically everything will be okay, mm-hmm. but it, it, it isn't yeah. because when that person comes along, there's like a honeymoon period. And then right after that, it goes back to how difficult and challenging life had always been. So if yeah. you don't clean up, if you don't sort out whatever, you know, patterns and issues that challenges that you keep going through, you know, all those unresolved traumas. If you don't go through all of that and clean it up, then whoever you attract is just going to make it worse eventually or bring it up all over again. Yep. And it won't look like that in the beginning. You know, they'll come, you know, looking like, uh, what is it? That handsome Prince knight on a horse. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's going to look like that, but it, it never is. You know, that's yeah. just the, the illusion. Um, and so I'm so glad that that's what you did in your life. I'm so Thank glad you. you took those three years to work on yourself because look, here are the fruits of your labor. Still you know, working you have a on podcast. Yeah. We all are. We all are. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not saying, it never ends. You know, sorry to cut you, but just, you know, I also want to put it out there that I am very happy in, in the relationship that I'm in now. Very grateful for my husband. Very grateful for, um, just the season in my life that I am in right now, but it's not perfect. And, you know, those things that you're working on, you will still keep working on. Like I, the same thing I told my mother, it's a scar. It doesn't just magically go away just because you went through therapy, but you will learn how to deal with it better. You will learn how to be kinder to yourself and hopefully, you know, better your relationship with whoever you're going to end up with as well. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You know, Kara, you still owe me a session. I do. You're supposed to come in and see me. But you were full. You know, <laughs> you I know, were I know. But well, end of let's, May. Let's, yeah. yeah, end of June now, actually. Oh, but no. let's let's make it work yes, somehow, okay. okay? Because honestly, with Theta Healing, and I'm telling you this because that's what it did for me. With Theta Healing, that wound that became a scar, we use Theta Healing as a laser and we remove the scar. Really? And it's not a scar anymore. You don't, you will not even see that situation. That's the outcome. You will not even look at your life situation as a scar. It will look like, it will look like something a distant memory that was not even a distant memory, but something that, cause I know you are grateful. You are already, you know, accepting of what happened and you know that that what happened made you who you are today. Mm-hmm. But I think you still look at it as the negative that happened that made you who you are today. Whereas mm-hmm. I think after a Theta Healing session, it's going to look like, oh, that's exactly what needed to happen. Thank God it happened. And you know what? Those were experiences, neither good nor bad. They were just experiences. Mm-hmm. and the view will look very different. And you might even get to a point where you'll forget that that's what happened to you. And when you remember it, which you might still go back to it as you're relating, you know, your past to somebody else, Mm -hmm. there will be no emotions. There will be no feelings. It'll just be like, yeah, that's kind of what happened to me. Like when I look back at my past, I had a lot of very interesting very, very interesting stories <laughs> um, in my past. I mean, heartbreak, you know, cheating, all this stuff happened to me quite a bit, Kara. Like I had a decade and a half of a lot of drama in my love life. Um, wow. And when I look back, it's kind of like it's stories, you know, it's, it's just stories. They, they, they bear no scars there are no open wounds. There are no, you know, painful memories. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unless it's something that I've buried and have not visited it, mm-hmm. which might still come up in the future. But whatever I remember, whatever I recall, whatever I know about, I have through, you know, the last decade and more worked through each one of these experiences. And it has brought me so much understanding about myself. And I, I don't have pain when I look back at it. I don't, I don't have tears anymore because they just feel like, oh, this is just me. It's part of me, you know, it's part of my story. And thank God for that, because now I can recognize it in someone else. Okay. I want that. And that's what, <laughs> that makes me really good as a healer, yeah. right? Because I can draw from my own experiences and I can help somebody else with the sense of, understanding and um what's the word i'm looking for it's like you just know you pick it out right away you see it in other people you have that kind of experience and wisdom 
It's wisdom I bring to the table now. Empathy? Rather than the pain. Empathy, yes. But empathy is kind of like what you can have with anyone. But Mm -hmm. the wisdom of what happened to me, right? I've taken wisdom from it Mm -hmm. rather than just the experience and the learning. And now it's something I can teach to someone else. It's something I can share. Um, And I can, you know, immediately recognize it in someone else. So I really want to do that session with you because I I think that putting the past in its place where it belongs, setting yourself free completely will take you yeah, to that next, you know, level, the next upgrade of, of Cara Erigel. <laughs> I yeah, definitely need that. I won't be reaching for tissues anymore when I talk to you. I want that. <laughs> or when I talk yeah. about the, the experiences. Yeah. So, you know, reaching for tissues and the crying, it's beautiful too. It's cathartic. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't want you to discount that. that okay. That's okay. beautiful too. <laughs> Okay, but we can. We why not, right? If there are ways, like if if laser is available and I can laser my scar and I don't have to look at it anymore and it's smooth, you know, that's fine. It's one thing to kind. Of, a lot of people are like, you know, all the different, you know, pains in my life and the trauma. These are badges of honor. You know, they made me who I am, and I I want to like I want to showcase them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one level, and then the next level is. I'm over it already. And now I'm looking at my future and now I'm looking at who I want to be and what I want to create. And so there are different phases, right? And you've done this phase of life and let's see what we can do with the next level of things. I love that. I want to do theta healing because I want to, when I have my own children and thank you for saying you had your first child at 35. Because I'm Ooh, 34 now I- and, and, you know, it, it's the fear. <laughs> it's starting to bubble up. But thank you for saying that. Um, it kind of made me feel um, a little better as well. But I want to hopefully not pass on the same patterns to my, to our children. If, if I will pass something on, at least manlang, not the same ones. Of course. Of course. And that was a huge factor for me. That was a big motivation mm-hmm. is... I did not want to repeat my childhood with my children. And that happens, you know, even if you want to be as different as you can be from your parents, right? Because we always want to improve upon ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And even if you had an amazing childhood, you still want to do things better, right? Even when we want to, um, we end up falling back to what we learned, Mm -hmm. to what we got in our childhood. And so it's really nice to actually decide to do things differently and then take the appropriate steps to get us there. Um, I think you're going to be an amazing mom because of your childhood. You know, I think you're going to be the type of mother that is going to choose your children every single day. You know, you will have that understanding. And that's when I think, Kara, it all comes together in your life. When you see yourself as a mother and you're going to be like, I am going to show my child every day how important they are to me how much I value their present. You're going to choose your child every day. For sure. And that's going to make you such an amazing mom because you will correct that. You will correct what you didn't have. And I do that with my children all the time. I'm able to do things for them that I didn't get. And not because my parents weren't great. They were great parents. They did the best they could, Mm -hmm. but they could only love me the way they knew how. 
Mm-hmm. And I know better now because of my own experiences. Yeah. I know better. You know better. And so we will love our children. We do. I love my children in ways that I couldn't have ever learned or known were possible if I hadn't gone through my own healing journey. And that's where you're at too. Thank you. I can't wait. So beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So beautiful. By the way, I had three children after 35. Oh my not God. just one child. So, okay. you know, the, the, Give me the your possibilities. Tips. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need any tips. You're going to be so great. You're, you're just going to have like babies popping out of you. I'm so sure. When you make that decision in your head, and I think the one thing, and this is probably what we'll cover in our session, is um, to eliminate any fear of being a mom. Because mother is not a very, you know, the word mother, the idea, the concept of mother um, is not a pretty picture for you, Yet. given what you had to go through. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all the fighting. So your, your idea of motherhood is tainted by all that trauma and pain that you had to go through. And so sometimes that acts as a block in getting pregnant. I agree. A lot of people I work with who have fertility challenges or issues, it's because they have so much unresolved trauma with their own mother or motherhood. Okay. That they're afraid. And so their body kind of like freezes up as well. And their body doesn't want to get pregnant because you're protecting yourself from that very idea that is still painful. Right. And so I work with a lot of um, people that way too. And whatever, whatever is the block, mental, emotional, physical, at the end of the day, uh, when you're ready, it is the easiest, most wonderful journey to take. Thank you for that. On I that note, to book my session with you. Okay. On that note. No. <laughs> on, on that note, Kara, we come to the end of our episode. And I ask you now for your project, Loving Myself Mantra that you leave our audience with. Ooh. Can I use two things that you left me? Absolutely. <laughs> In our last episode. Um, just two things um, that Tanaya actually really, that told me that really stuck with me and I have been continuously repeating to myself every single day when I wake up and when I journal and before I go to bed is that my project loving myself mantra is that I am enough and when in doubt, it is me. <laughs> Amazing. Look at that. You are like a quick learner. You are just like going to move through everything. Boom, boom, boom. Probably next year you're going to have like a baby already. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Putting it out there in the universe. Hopefully after our session. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're going to work on. Absolutely. And then you come back on my podcast, Kara, and you tell us about your little, uh, you know, yes, your little bundle of joy or joys at that point. Thank Love you. It. Okay. How do people follow you, find you, tell them about your podcast? Please share. Yes, please check out um, all you listeners of Project Loving Myself. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you, Sanaya, so much for having me. It is my privilege, such an honor to be talking to such a great, beautiful mind. Thank you. Um, and yes, please listen to After 30 with Cara Erigel, available on Spotify as well, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcast platforms. Please um, rate it as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So that really helps the podcast a lot. Follow me on my socials. It's just at Cara Erigel on Instagram and on Facebook. That's it. 
Thank you very much. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's conversation. Did it strike a chord? Did it echo some of your own personal stories? Post your comments on stories and tag at Project Loving Myself podcast and me too at Sanaya Grinimal. My goal is to reach all those people out there who are looking for answers, who want solutions to the mess that is their lives. I came from that too, and I had to clean up my own mess. So I share this podcast with you to help you do that effortlessly, easily, without so much drama and pain and trauma. So share this podcast if you think that this can help others and make sure you subscribe so I feel your love. Today's quote is, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. And that's George Bernard Shaw. To find is to assume that we are lost and we must be retrieved. But creating yourself, now that's a novel idea of knowing that every day you get to make something new of yourself, of your life. Every day is a new beginning. As the sun rises, new possibilities emerge and anything can happen. So take this Project Loving Myself journey with me. Thank you for joining me this week on Project Loving Myself, brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Pod Machine. You are loved. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.